Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dividend Kings Roundtable podcast. This is Nicholas Ward, and this week uh, I have uh, the Dividend King founders, Brad Thomas and Adam Galis, with me today. Last week on this podcast, we discussed MREITs, the, the mortgage REITs, and I think we all sort of had a uh, you know somewhat bearish outlook on that sector. This week, you know, we didn't want to be uh, too negative for two weeks in a row, so we're going to switch our focus to the equity REITs, which uh, I know that all of us do have uh, bullish opinions on, at least on single ticker stocks within the various uh, you know subsectors of the REIT space. So that we will be discussing uh, some actionable ideas today. With that in mind, I am going to quickly pass to our resident REIT expert, Brad Thomas, who will talk about REITs from a high level, and then we will get into some of our favorite picks uh, in the REIT space right now. Great. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Nick, for that introduction. And it's great to be back with you and Adam here today. And also to talk about REITs, which of course is, is my favorite topic. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I want to dive into it here and talk a little bit about just in general, overall, you know, how the sector has performed. Um, again, we're, we cover all the equity REITs and commercial mortgage REITs, just to recap the conversation we had last week uh, on the last podcast. And so, you know, we've had a lot of questions coming in and I really appreciate all of those. And we probably aren't gonna have time today to touch on all those, but we're gonna, we are gonna try to touch on as many sectors as possible. So just, at a, just at, from the start, uh, you know, data centers are up about 23% year to date, cell towers up about 12% year to date. There hasn't been a whole lot of questions, obvious, for maybe obvious reasons on the data center and cell tower space, or really the logistics or industrial space either because they've all performed pretty well. They're all in the green, you know, data centers up 23%, cell towers up 12%, industrial REITs or logistics are up about 7%. And the only other sector that's actually in positive year to date is self-storage, which is up about 3%. So there weren't many questions coming in uh, for the podcast today on those sectors, but I do wanna say there was, uh, there was a couple questions on some data centers. Um, so recently we published an article on digital realty ticker DLR. And again, all of these sectors have really seen uh, pretty, pretty uh, large uh, price increases uh, as a result of, of the significance now related to having, you know, technology and using all the technology from work from home and, and all the social distancing and so forth. So we've really seen an acceleration in all of this tech, all of the tech real estate technology pieces, what I call the trifecta. Uh, we did upgrade digital recently, and it really, it was more, not as much about valuation, although we felt like digital was a, was a hair, uh, you know, cheaper than the, the big player Equinix, uh, but digital's made some real, really recent acquisitions and they've integrated their portfolio uh, and really proven that they can, they can play in the same sandbox, if you will, as Equinix. Uh, but we still, all of, those, all of those data center REITs are still fairly expensive uh, with the exception of Iron Mountain. And Iron Mountain is that one outlier that, is, that has a technology piece that does, in other words, they have data centers, um, but they at the same time um, have the store, their traditional storage business, which is primarily boxes. Uh, they do have the arts and other, other things, precious items that they store. But one of the questions was Iron Mountain. So what, since I'm on that topic, I just want to you know, say, you know, we definitely like Iron Mountain. It is a more speculative position, primarily given because of their cost of capital. Uh, they are a double B minus rated company. And so they don't have nearly 
this cost of capital that digital has. I think uh, Nick just commented on an article today, or I commented, or maybe we both did, that digital realties uh, had some debt that they just issued, some bonds that were like sub 2%. I mean, it's such low cost of capital where Iron Mountain can't come close to that. So that's one of the concerns we have with the company, with Iron Mountain, but we believe in the integration. We think the management team has done a really good job of, of cutting costs. They obviously did this, uh, this uh, the layoffs, they call it the project summit where they laid off hundreds of vice presidents just before COVID. So uh, that's a good thing for them to get that done before that. So they've really uh, become a lot leaner and meaner and we believe that's going to call, allow them to move them, you know, to move their, uh, to advance their uh, their growth, their AFFO per share. Uh, they are going to keep that dividend flat. That the CEO did tell me that recently on a call. Uh, but we do have, we do believe there's considerable value and opportunity for multiple expansion for Iron Mountain uh, going forward as they as they continue to to move towards that data uh, expansion. So Brad, let me chime in here off the top of your head. Do you know the company's exposure to the sort of digital storage as opposed to that uh, traditional paper storage? Yeah, it's, it's less than 10% at this time. Now, again, the, the, the problem that, that I guess the chicken and the egg is, you know, they've got plenty of opportunities and, and their data uh, return on equity is in the you know double digit low double digit range 12 13 14 percent so in other words when they deploy capital into their data properties they can earn 12 13 14 percent one of the things i've queued in on very recently with the ceo interviews we've had is about doing sell leasebacks because they do have about two billion dollars of real estate owned uh, in that portfolio again the company doesn't have to be a reit to qualify as a reit you don't have to own real estate that's a that's a misconception you got to either be a, you know, you got to own it or lease it. And in the case of Iron Mountain, you know, they, they own the racking system, which the IRS defines in their private letter rulings as real estate. So Iron Mountain could effectively, effectively do a large scale sell leaseback with a company like WP Carey or a private or public company and utilize those funds to redeploy at a much better return, i.e. 12, 13, 14%. So there's, there's, we, we definitely see that catalyst. And I think that the company is gonna to continue to try to sell off some of that real estate to use that because that is the most efficient uh, use of capital that the company has. Yeah, that does sound like, um, you know, obviously those are much higher returns. You did mention that the management, uh, you know, talked about keeping the dividend flat. That's uh, obviously, you know, our subscribers that pay attention to my portfolio, they know that's sort of like a cardinal sin for me personally anyway. I'm always looking for reliable dividend growth. Adam, you're sort of our resident uh, dividend safety guru. Do you have an opinion on the dividend safety of uh, Iron Mountain as we sort of go back and forth on this one? Yeah, so Iron Mountain, that's uh, it's one we have in our retirement portfolio. Uh, it, I agree with Brad. It is more speculative because of that junk bond credit rating. Uh, definitely in a recession, that, that can be a major concern. And so, yeah, uh, their, their plan, you know, that, that Operation Summit uh, – Analysts are rather bullish, uh, looking just uh, looking at in terms of like the consensus estimates. Uh, this year, of course, like for many REITs, uh, about 3% decline in cash flows, but next year it's expected to explode 17% higher. So, you know, in terms of dividend safety, the, the major concern, of course, is that is that balance sheet. And uh, it does kind of uh, hamper their ability, as, as Brad alluded to, that sale lease back on $2 billion in potential properties. That could be what they need. 
uh, looking at uh, 81% payout ratio this year, 74% next year. And then uh, basically it looks like the dividend is expected to be flat until 2022 and 74% AFFO payout ratio on 2022. Now, the thing is that if for their business model, 90% is a safe level in terms of payout ratio. So they're well under that. They've never been uh, looking back to 2014 when they converted to a REIT, they've never come close. I think it looks like the, the highest payout ratio they've ever had was uh, 81% for 2020 is the consensus. But the issue is really that with REITs is that you know, you're retaining 20% of your uh, essentially free cash flow. But as Brad says, they have so many wonderful opportunities that they're trying to grow and diversify. Management has that plan to try to get to 5% organic uh, cash flow growth. And that's focusing things like emerging market storage and uh, data centers. But the problem is that, you know, with that uh, double B minus credit rating, it's really, you know, how do they get it? That 20% retained cash flow is not doing much. It's kind of like with, with, uh, uh, payout ratios on REITs. It's like realty income, for example, historically has 80 to 85% payout ratio. So they, they have a good safety buffer. They retain a lot of cash flow on an absolute basis, but compared to their, how much they spend on growth, really they, you know, they, they do have to tap the debt markets uh, using a safe amount of debt in order to make it work. And right now that's the issue with Iron Mountain. So uh, even though uh, analysts and I and Brad don't expect the dividend to be cut, management says they'll just keep it uh, safe and just kind of get that payout ratio down over time. The their issue is really they, they're going to have to do something strategic like a big sale leaseback in order to get that funding uh, done simply because the retained cash flow is not going to cover the their growth uh uh, properties. Now, management does also uh, periodically recycle capital. They generally sell at a pretty good profit. I believe that on average, they make about 15% internal rates of return on those uh, property sales. So you know, management has the, the skill to do it. It's just that right now, you know, in this recession, uh, for investment grade companies, it's literally inflation adjusted uh, borrowing costs are near zero uh, for the highest quality A-rated companies and uh, most strong uh triple B rated or uh, better REITs, they're doing absolutely phenomenally. It's just those junk bond rated REITs, they're really having a, a tougher time in terms of you know, funding that profitable growth. Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. I guess my, cause I've always, my concern with Iron Mountain specifically has always been, it's kind of like when you think about that paper storage business, almost like a 20, 20th century business model in the 21st century with a digital storage. So Brad, I do, we do need to move on to other names on our, uh, the list that subscribers given us, but with that lease back, is that your idea or has the management team specifically talked about, uh, you know, capitalizing on that idea? Um, I, w I wouldn't say it was my idea, but I've certainly been a, I like to say, you know, I'm, I'm a suggestivist and the only difference between suggestivist is an activist is I don't have a, you know, I don't have a billion dollars, you know, in the bank to, uh, to move the market, but you know, so I, I'm more of a suggestive is here and I have to discuss this with management quite a bit. And again, think of it like this. I mean, you know, we, we, we cover all these sectors, right? We know industrial cap rates and industrial properties trade somewhere in the, you know, in the five and a half to six and a half range. And so they've got this industrial real estate with these warehouses sitting there. You know, some of those are in pretty good markets. Some of them probably aren't in pretty good markets. Uh, I'm actually trying to buy a, a warehouse right now from an individual one mile from my house that's leased to Iron Mountain. Um, this is a personal investment that I'm looking to make. And, 
you know, I, I believe, you know, industrial warehouse is the way to go. This is right on the interstate. So I think it makes a lot of sense because they could sell that, that owned real estate um, for, you know, say six, I think they would trade probably in a six and a quarter cap rate range. So you go trade a, you know, six and a half percent rent check for a 12 and a half percent, you know, data center. I mean, that's going to move the market for these guys and that's going to help them with their debt problem. They could take a billion dollars and deploy that to pay down that debt, get the better credit rating, lower the cost of capital and start accelerating, moving in line. What they want to do, they want to move in line with these data center REITs. They're, they're not dumb. They're not stupid. They, this CEO knows all too well, you know, what that data center multiple is going to trade at. <laughs> so anyway, they're trying. I really like the CEO. I think he's doing a good job and, uh, you know, we'll just see what happens. But I fully agree. This is a speculative position. So I would definitely uh, you know, maintain caution and, and not, uh, you know, not over, overweight the, uh, you know, that particular name. Well, yeah, I know, I know many of our subscribers love that high dividend yield. So hopefully this uh, management team kind of, you know, pays heed to your suggestivism there. I guess another interesting uh, sort of subsector of the REIT space that I think we may have a little bit of a disagreement on. I've been pretty, uh, pretty content to just avoid the office space ever since COVID began and the kind of work from home. We've talked about the urban exodus as another sort of potentially macro and or secular trend happening in these cities and in the workplace. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I don't know what the future of the office is going to be. I kind of have to assume it's going to be smaller in the next five to 10 years than it is now. Um, so do you, I know that uh, both you and Adam uh, cover office REITs. I've been pretty uh, just content to avoid the space. Are there any office REITs that our subscribers brought up and or uh, you guys want to highlight as interesting value opportunities right now? Yeah, I'm going to let Adam, um, do most of the heavy lifting on this topic, but we both like office. Uh, Adam and I both have, I think we share a lot of the same uh, names and I'll let him talk about them. Um, but we, I just want to say this, we interviewed yesterday, one of the vice presidents of Empire State Realty Trust, uh, Dana Schneider. She's a senior vice president over director of energy and sustainability. We have a video on IREIT and she talks about, you know, the, the going back to work. What does it look like? And, and they actually just got an award. They're the only office REIT to get this award. It's more of a, I think they call it the Well Award, which is a basically a wellness type uh, uh, award that they got. And, you know, she it's really interesting to listen to her talk and about how it's safer, you know, in these New York City buildings. Um, then I asked her a question. I said, Dana, are you safer at home or in your office? And she said, I'm much more safer in the office environment. And so, I would encourage you to, to, to watch that video and look at what's going on because obviously I haven't been in New York in a while, but I'm going to let Adam kind of talk more about kind of the fundamentals of Boston properties and SL Green and then a, actually a new name that we just initiated coverage of on the IREIT called Kilroy. So I'll let Adam go from there. Yeah, so offices, that's an interesting thing, uh, listening to, for example, like the Bloomberg podcast and they, they interview a lot of these CEOs and they talk about how you know, uh, in the pandemic, of course, they, we've done a lot of work from home, but uh, ultimately the, there is going to be a push to, to get back on the, it might be more of a hybrid model, but ultimately people do, uh, that there are actually powerful uh, networking effects of having people in the same place, not just working online through, through Zoom. And so, you know, the, it, it's kind of one of this idea of like New York is dead. Uh, no, it's, a, it's a definitely an over loan concern. Now, uh, there is going to be you know, some impact 
uh, for the industry. Now, I mean, looking at, uh, for example, like the rent collection, that as as the in, as far as uh, industries go, they, they've done a pretty good job, about 96.3% uh, in July, 94% uh, in August. So, you know, a bit of a dip, but um, it was as low as 921 in May. And so really the, the key is that you, you want the absolute highest quality. And Brad can uh, discuss, because Brad just did a great article on Kilroy that uh, is also one that we've added to the, the, not just the master list, but the Phoenix list itself. Uh, it's a 10, we, uh, I rated a 10 out of 11 swan quality with five out of five dividend safety. Uh, using the great new tool that's coming on Friday, I can basically uh, instantly see here that it's a, uh, 94% a uh, potentially excellent investment idea. Uh, currently, it's about 44% undervalued. Now, Boston Properties, uh, it, we rate that that's uh, 9 out of 11 quality blue chips, so slightly lower in terms of dividend safety. Uh, basically, it's, it's a bit more speculative. Uh, Brad, uh, Brad considers all offices except for Kilroy to be speculative, and that's because Kilroy has about 13% uh, exposure to things like life sciences. And they, some of their tenants are the dominant names like Google, Facebook, uh, Amazon, the, the, the companies that are absolutely killing it right now. And so Kilroy is expected in the short term, they're expected to have the strongest growth. Uh, over the long term, it's about 4.7%, similar to Boston Properties. Now, Boston Properties does have a, a, a credit rating, a stable outlook. So uh, that was a 100% A plus, uh, potentially exceptional investment opportunity. Uh, Boston Properties is slightly more undervalued, about 48%. So basically uh, with similar growth and a similar yield, it has slightly better long-term return potential. We did buy it once. Uh, and it's, uh, as long if, you know, we'd be certainly more interested in, in uh, building out that core position but you know, understanding what uh, Nick says, you know, if, if some of the more conservative uh, Dividend Kings members are just, you know, a bit iffy on that. Another one I, I'm potentially interested in is a federal realty, the only Dividend King uh, in all of Reekdom. Uh, of course, the number one name in shopping centers. Uh, currently, the payout ratio for 2020 was elevated. Uh, I believe it hit uh, about 115%. Uh, now, uh, looking at the upgrade, uh, FRT has reported much better rent collections steadily uh, month to month. And, you know, with the pandemic, of course, the concern was that the second wave might uh, trigger uh, more lockdowns, but it looks like that's uh, now less and less likely to be the case. And so uh, FRT is one that when I start the uh, update process for the master list in October, I'm definitely considering upgrading that one. Uh, FRT is an, another one that uh, just currently on valuation, uh, you know, it, it is a bit more speculative. And if it does get an upgrade to uh, 10 out of 11 swan quality with four out of five above average uh, and make it back onto the Phoenix list, it will remain speculative uh, basically until the pandemic ends. But that's one that I'm definitely interested in. But for someone like Nick, who's, you know, may, maybe potentially saying, you know, I don't want the speculation. I don't want the shopping centers. I don't want the, the office properties. Then, uh, two ones, two that uh, might be very interesting buys. Equity Residential uh, is a, a above average quality, so not Phoenix caliber, but it's a, it's a above average quality uh, apartment REIT that's currently a 100% A plus potentially exceptional investment opportunity. And 
the one that I know uh, many conservative members would absolutely appreciate, Avalon Bay. I believe Nick's a fan of this one. It's also a 100% A-plus exceptional. Uh, now, of course, with, with uh, apartments, they're not normally, they're relatively immune to recessions. Now, in this case, not, not so much, of course, because especially Avalon Bay, you know, some of these guys are focused on the coast and the coasts are the ones that got hit the hardest. But uh, Moody's recently pointed out in their market outlook review that uh, the coasts have actually done pretty well. Like the Northeast, for example, has almost completely recovered for most of its economy. And if you look at, for example, uh, uh, like Avalon Bay, uh, in terms of their rent collection, we only have data going through July. Uh, it dipped down to 93% from uh, 96. So that's one that I'll be watching for to see uh, if they have a bit of an issue in terms of with the uh, stimulus gridlock of whether people are having issues paying their rent. But the thing, of course, with all of these names like Boston Properties, Kilroy, Avalon. Now Avalon and Boston, they got A ratings. Kilroy's has a solid uh, triple B stable. Is that if, and it kind of alludes back to what we talked about with Iron Mountain. If you have that strong stable balance sheet, you have a low cost of capital, you have access to great liquidity. And if you have skilled and competent management, which all of these REITs do, then you can basically adapt to the challenges over time. And that's why essentially for something like Avalon Bay, uh, you know, uh, Kilroy, Boston Properties, not much concern in terms of dividend safety. And so in terms of the, you know, highest recommendations to consider right now, I'd say uh, off the Phoenix list, uh, Avalon Bay is just like a very, you know, very strong name to consider. Federal Realty, if, you, if you're interested in, uh, you know, getting some of the best valuations on a uh, basically a high quality a dividend king REIT, Equity Residential is another one to, to consider in, uh, in uh, apartments. And uh, Essex Property Trust is another one that uh, is a uh, you know high quality. They're a dividend aristocrat, currently 97% a excellent potential investment idea. And so I'll pass it back to Brad to see if he has any thoughts on these recommendations, as well as uh, uh, take Nick's uh, comments as well to close us out. Well, actually, I'll, I'll I'll kind of butt in here, Brad. I do have a question for you. I I you guys have both introduced me to Kilroy on this talk while Adam was uh, was speaking there. I went and checked Justin Law's CCC list. I see it does have a five year dividend growth streak, so that is uh you know something that I'm interested in. Is this a new REIT? Has the dividend growth just began? And you, Adam, mentioned that uh you know it has high ex uh, exposure to the the big tech names. Is this kind of low? Is this similar to an Essex story? Do these does Kilroy Kind of has it concentrated itself in those West Coast cities? Yeah, actually, the title on my on IRE uh, is called "What a Joy to Own Kilroy," uh, and uh, always like the rhymes. But it is a joy. I mean, this company is uh, definitely flying under the radar. One of my good friends, who's an analyst for one of the larger firms, uh, actually told me to cover Kilroy a while back, but it, it was just always too expensive. My shares were trading about eighty-eight dollars last year. We wrote this article a couple of days ago, about 57 bucks roughly. So it's probably still in that range. But to your point, they've got about 46% uh, percent publicly listed in the tech space, 5% in the unicorn space, 2% in startups. So they've got about 55% all total in tech. And then add to that 14% in life science, which again, that's where you're going to find the vaccine cure. Those are, I mean, those, those companies are life science properties and those operators are in high demand right now, believe me. Um, so when you think about this company, it's not a traditional office space. They really 
brand themselves as the innovative, I forget the type they call it, but they're an innovative firm. They really invest in the innovative uh, uh, tenants who have innovative properties. I, I would encourage you to go look through the investment deck, look on their website, see what kind of properties they own. But again, it's all tech driven. And when you, most of it's tech driven. And when you think about, you know, what's going on with this work from home environment, um, you know, it's interesting because in, innovation just doesn't happen at home. It just doesn't, you know, it need to be around people interacting, coming up with these ideas. And, uh, you know, you just can't do that at home. Um, and so more than 90% of their buildings have large floor plans, allowing tenants greater flexibility for configuration. 85% of the portfolio are low rise and mid rise buildings. 43% of the properties are well certified, the highest certification of any company in the world. Um, so, you know, just in terms of where we are today with COVID, the properties that they have, I think it fits perfectly into this type of portfolio. So definitely would take a look at that. Um, kind of moving over to some of Adam's other thoughts. I like federal too. Again, it's, we're going to, this retail overhang, overhang is there for a while. My daughter just wrote an article today, CNBC, retail, retailers have started paying rent again, but are still fighting with their landlords. So this is going to be the overhang. I mean, it's not, it's going to be quarters and quarters to play out. So federal has the balance sheet to ride this thing out. This is one of the few picks that we have in the shopping center space that we have confidence in because of that management team that, that Adam mentioned and, and because of that fortress. And if there is such a thing as a fortress balance sheet, it is uh, federal realty. Um, I want to move over to one other category that a lot of our uh, subscribers have, have, have responded to, and that's net lease. And that's obviously close to home. I was a net lease developer. Uh, we've, we've been maintaining overweight net lease for years and years and years, but it's now becoming more and more important for investors. I'm in the process of writing this article and I thought about, you know, what's really been interesting when you think about the, the pandemic, and, and the, the REITs that are best prepared for the pandemic. If you really think about it, it's the REITs that are most diversified. And diversification, I think, is the one true miss risk mitigator that, that none of us could have imagined we were gonna be in this pandemic. But, but you know, if I were a REIT you know, in this pandemic right here today, I would wanna be a net lease REIT and like realty income. Uh, or like WP carry, because you've got that tremendous diversification. Um, clearly, Realty Income has theaters, and clearly they have gymnasiums. But guess what? They're so diversified that it's like a, it's 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 insignificant to them. So when we saw that market sell off in March and April, you know, I knew, Adam knew, and Nick knew, most people who who know Realty Income knew that that was some extreme mispricing, because given the exposure they had in those those areas there was plenty of other rent checks that the company would have coming in that would allow them to not only maintain that dividend but increase that dividend during a pandemic that tells me a lot so net lease has clearly been an area that you know has been interesting for investors it's the safe harbor because of that diversification and because they can continue to grow and produce dividends i do want to say we've got we had Four, four different, uh, uh, well, actually, we had four tickers. I don't know how many people, but we had WP Carry, Agree, Spirit, and Store. Real quickly, WP Carry 
great company. Obviously, they don't, they don't have much retail exposure whatsoever. It's very insignificant in the U.S. Most of their retail exposure is in Europe. Um, and it's, it's, it's not your typical retail exposure anyway. So they don't have gyms and theaters, that type of thing. So WP Carry is definitely an easy buy. Um, agree, same thing. L large investment grade. They have the most investment grade than any other um, uh, net lease REIT. Uh, great company, very well managed. And so agrees a little, maybe a little expensive today. I haven't looked at the price. Uh, I would, I would buy agree, but probably on a pullback. Now the two other names which do fit the buy box right now are Spirit and Store. And obviously both of them suffer from more exposure to restaurants. Now you've got to bifurcate the restaurants here and understand you've got casual dining and you've got quick serve. Now what we found out initially when the pandemic hit, um, everything was hit. I mean, it was, you know, every sector was hit. And so, and, and even fast food, when we had the complete lockdown, you know, even the fast food, quick serve restaurants were, were having problems. But now with drive-through, we've actually seen demand pick up with all these drive-throughs. When I, when I leave my office, I usually go out to a drive-through, grab something, come back. So the, the drive-throughs are really working well now. Casual dining is still a problem. And that's where you still see some of this overhang with spirit and store because they do still have that exposure they're dealing with. But Again, I think we can now see, since we've gone through this, this cycle, if you will, and, and more clarity with rent collections and how they're improving, uh, we think both of those companies, Spirit and Store, are certainly attractive. And of course, Berkshire Hathaway validated that just a couple of weeks ago with another round of capital into Store. But I do want to say one more name that we just uh, interviewed uh, this morning the CEO of Broadstone NetLease. The ticker symbol is BNL. Uh, so that's Boy Nancy Lego, BNL. Uh, they just went public a week ago. We've got a complete interview there at IREIT, uh, but really interesting company. Let me break it down for you real quick. This is like the WP Carry 2.0. Now they don't have international exposure, exposure yet, but uh, BNL is a diversified REIT, much like WP Carry. So they have office, they have industrial, they have retail, uh, and they actually have a slice of healthcare that really not many of these net lease REITs have. Uh, and I asked the CEO in the call, I said, what, it, what kind of healthcare are you buying? And one of the things that was interesting was veterinarian clinics. They're buying you know, freestanding veterinarian clinics from major, from big operators. Uh, and that's a, pretty, that's a pretty interesting space to be in, and I think a pretty sustainable space for B&L. Um, so they came out, they listed last week. I don't know what they're trading at today. The third quarter dividend is like 0.135, but they're going to, their run rate, their regular dividend, they were a private company. They went through a reg, a reg D filing. So they basically had accredited investors to get started. Uh, they're about 10 years old, but to, to get to where they are now to go public, um, they launched. And so the third quarter dividend is 0.135. In their filings, they indicate that they're going to pay a quarter in the fourth quarter, which translates into about a 6.2% yield on the current price or whatever, the, roughly what the price is. So there's your WP Carry 2.0, brand new company. I generally don't buy into IPOs, but this is different because the company really has been around 10 years. I know the management team going way, way back. Amy Tate and her father had home properties, which is multifamily REIT in Rochester, New York, uh, their, their CEO they brought in is doing a great job and that's who we interviewed recently. So take a look at BNL. It's definitely a new buy on our list.
Well, thanks, Brad, for bringing that up. Uh, you know, I've definitely learned. I'll take a look at BNL for sure, and also Kilroy seems very interesting for my personal portfolio. Uh, I think you know we have mentioned quite a few names for our subscribers to take a look at. I will kind of second everyone's opinion. I, I really like WP Carey for its diversification, both uh, industrial-wise and also geographically. It's collecting nearly all of its rent, and that's been pretty consistent throughout the pandemic period. So I do think that dividend's quite safe. Uh, obviously, I like Realty Income. I just posted a video, and I will be posting an article for Dividend Kings members highlighting the, the five REITs I've been buying recently, which are Essex Property and Avalon Bay, two companies that Adam mentioned was on his Phoenix list. Uh, Store Capital, which Brad just highlighted, is a, a cheap triple net REIT. And uh, obviously, Realty Income. And then also uh, the, the last one, I'm actually drawing a blank right now. I can't believe that, but forgive me. The video is up on the Dividend Kings chat room and website right now. I do uh, hope everybody enjoyed this podcast this week. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to be back on the bullish side of things as opposed to offering various opinions. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of actionable ideas being discussed and uh, we'll all see you guys next week. So everybody stay safe out there and uh, have a great weekend. Bye.